0: everyone and welcome to the FrogCast. It is January 20th of 2020. 2020? 120? Something like that. I don't know. All I know is it is the off season, so we still have plenty to talk about for TCU football, recruiting, coaching changes. Maybe we'll talk about a little basketball. Not a lot of good stuff to talk about the last week. All that and a whole lot more on this episode of the FrogCast. Jeremy and Daniel, how are you men holding up here tonight? I'm doing well
1: how are things with you guys
0: tolerable as they used to say fair to middling doing all right doing all right i just had a big burrito at the local mexican place just around the corner they had a chicken chipotle burrito it wasn't too bad i might pay for it tomorrow but it was good i
1: thought when in memphis you're only supposed to eat barbecue
0: you know i know we don't have any memphis listeners so i'll just say it the 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 pig here is good, but they need more cow. So the brisket uh, here is like, yeah, I could. Yeah, it's not, could probably not going to happen either. They're, they're no. real. The, 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 ah, from my experience, the, the pork barbecue purists think beef is just ridiculous. So, yeah, I I, I will never get off of my addiction fascination with brisket. Um, it just, there's nothing like it There's nothing like it And it's not just, the, you know, the the really good stuff Like what Travis serves up at Heim But mm. you give me brisket and I'm a happy camper But, you know, I'll eat pork when they put it in front of me I'll eat it I'm not going to turn it down But there is nothing like, nothing like Some good Texas brisket
1: I still need to head over there to his white settlement location
0: I hear it's great. You know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get down there and get around, but I've heard it's great, so I want to hit that up. You know, maybe this summer, what we could do is a is a Frogcast uh, off the record gathering at Heim Barbecue on white, off of White Settlement. I bet Travis would host us. Yeah, get a
1: few get a few drinks and start hearing the real get inside scoop.
0: <laughs> That's right. I don't, I bet we could get a crowd for that. I'd uh, I bet <laughs> I bet Travis would let us have a beer on the house too. You know, I think since we push his, he's not even a sponsor and we push his, uh, his restaurant so much, not that he needs our help, but I bet we could get a free drink or two and I bet we'd get a pretty healthy turnout. So everything would have to be off the record though. All right. Let's get into the topic at hand. All right. We've had three additions to the coaching staff. Last time we were on here on the Frogcast, we knew Meacham was coming into the fold. We had some questions about the running back coach. And then floating out there, hanging over it all was uh, Jerry Kill. All that was kind of tied up with Justin Fuente. Is he going to stay at Virginia Tech? Might he take the Baylor job? We'll talk about the Baylor job here in a second but kill uh, Fuente stayed kill came. so let's start at the top and work our way down. Jeremy, let's get inside Doug Meacham, architect co-architect of the 2014 and 15. Offense. He has um, returned as the inside receivers coach and, if I understand, passing game coordinator. Tell us a little bit about the backstory, how Meacham actually returned, who reached out to who, what needed to be managed to make that happen. And now that the word has come down final, what are you hearing inside of the offices there in Fort Worth about Meacham's return to the coaching staff?
1: When I thought you were talking about kind of floating over everything, I thought you were going to give me props and, 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 tell the listeners that i gave all you guys a heads up on all these hirings man i feel rejected now i feel like i feel like i just got rejected for a prom date jeff I feel sorry about all that. right
0: well <laughs> i'm since just i kidding. know you're very familiar hey. with that let me back up there but, is only one source that had all this news and had it all early and uh it is not our friendly competitors and it is uh not the fort worth star telegram although drew i know you listen you're doing a great job but making all of this news on all three of these hires, and uh, that that they could be imminent, and that they were in conversation, our own Jeremy Clark, TCU twenty four seven sports. I feel, How's that? I, I feel that like the good? LSU
1: fans after last Monday. I feel great now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel great. Okay, now. Thanks, man. I'm glad you're watching now, fun, I, my I mean, This is awesome. Uh, no, all joking okay. aside, I mean it. This was one of those. It, I don't know if it was really. I haven't got a, a lot of the background. I, I would say it was probably more Meacham reaching out to uh, Coach Patterson in regards to the job, and there was some there was some due diligence involved. I mean they they had to discuss it uh, really between Doug and and between Coach and and really as a staff and uh, you know you're bringing in a guy that was there before. And depending on who you listen to, whether you listen to some people inside the program that said, you know, some coaches didn't get along. Well, I know for a fact that he wouldn't be back if some of that hadn't been brushed under uh, the rug a little bit. And, you know, it's water under the bridge. Now everyone seems to be getting along. And and as you mentioned, Jerry kill coming in, I think that's going to help a lot of it with him being uh, kind of the overseer of the offense, but it's, I think it's a pretty good idea. I don't, I don't think um, – I, I don't agree with a lot of people saying it's a, a bad idea. I mean, if you look back at history and 2014 and 2015, they had a, a pretty solid team. And, and Doug's going to bring some things to the offense, especially in the passing game, where I think all TCU fans can agree that that's where they were sorely, sorely lacking last year with some of the creativity and, and, and the route tree and, and getting some receivers open. And I think him being back is going to help that, especially as inside receivers. He's a guy that when Kevontae Turpin was a young freshman that he got involved really high. And and, and I think he's going to do the same thing for Tay Barber, try to get him involved as much as they can. He's the best playmaker they have coming back uh, for the receiver core. And and you need to get him the ball. It can't be a situation like it was last year when they had Jalen Rager and they didn't get him the ball a whole lot. They've really got to get Tay Barber the ball. But I think it's going to be a good idea. Uh, if if things don't go well, he's in a position to where uh, and I said it all along on the board, if the the guys Gary's wanted to bring in when they lost Looper and Thompson, he wanted to bring someone in with some sort of play calling knowledge. So I could see a situation to where if the offense struggles with Sonny calling the plays, then Gary might give Meecham the reins and see what he can do because he's got that experience. So it's a good it's a good hire in my opinion for for those reasons and and really when you have a guy that that wanted to be back at TCU i mean i talked to so many people and they all said the same thing and, and a lot of these people don't even know each other and they're all saying the same thing so i know it's it's pretty true but he really just wanted to be back at TCU he wanted to get back in the college game and he was he was going to the XFL and uh it's it's just a great scenario not only for TCU but it it really is for him too because now he gets a chance to come back and I think he's I think he's grateful to have the opportunity to be honest with you. I think he's grateful that Coach Patterson is, is letting him come back in and Coach Patterson knows what kind of coach he is and and, and how he can improve the offense. So I, I think it's a I think it's a good hire and I think we'll all start to see hopefully some some changes early on in the season.
0: He's already out there on the recruiting trail. They had a great picture from uh, Alito head coach, Tim Buchanan, Daniel's yep. buddy. Uh, he's out there on-site on, on site recruiting, out there in the schools, places that already know him. So even though he's been away from Fort Worth uh, for a few years, he obviously coached at Kansas in 17 and 18 uh, and you know was going to go into the XFL. He took this last season off. I don't see that as a black mark on his uh, resume. I think he's got, you know, I think he knows where he thrives. I think he knows what he's good at. I'm really glad to hear what you said about, hey, whatever happened, they have kind of put that beside, behind them. And that gives them a chance to kind of come back, come, you know, put the band back together about what did work in this offense in the years past when they were. You know, winning the Big 12, finishing in the top 10. Those are the things that Meacham had a strong hand in. He was the play caller in the 14 15 season when we would tune in on Tuesday nights to see where the frogs were ranked in the playoff rankings in November. So we'll see how all this goes. But, you know, not everybody likes every hire. I get that. You know, and, and, you know, uh, Jeremiah Donati and and Gary Patterson didn't ask me. I know they, they, I texted them, but they never (laughs) texted me back. So we'll see we'll see what comes of this, but I feel good about about the Meacham hire. So I'm really glad to see him back in the fold. All right, let's switch gears here. We got a new running backs coach from Colorado State, one of the best college towns in America, Fort Collins. Whoo. I want, it, I want them in the Big 12 just because of their breweries. But Brian Applewhite comes down from Fort Collins, joins the staff as a running backs coach. This is a guy that's kind of made his way around and moved up the ranks in the last several years. This was somebody that wasn't on your radar, if I remember right, say a week and a half ago. Tell us how he sh- – if you can, tell us who maybe we looked at and tell us how we landed on Applewhite. I think Frog fans are – we're most curious about this search because it was the one they knew the least about. We yep. know Jerry Kill, we knew that story was brewing for a while. Obviously, Meacham. tell us about Applewhite. Who who did the uh, the frogs pass on or maybe passed on the frogs in order to end up with Applewhite in the fold?
1: Well, for, I think the the main guy early on and I posted about him uh, a few weeks ago was Daryl Wyatt, former Texas coach and at UCF and and from every indication I heard, he was really the leader in the clubhouse until his agent got involved. And once agents get involved, it it starts spiraling downhill. So uh, that's pretty much all I could say about that. I mean, I I could get into great detail. That's one of those stories where if y'all want to take me out and get me drunk at high barbecue, then I'd probably probably tell you guys. But uh, all I'll say about that is the agent got involved and, and it, it just didn't work out. And then uh, Jamal Singleton's another guy I mentioned, I think on the last broadcast that we did Cincinnati Bengals head coach or not head coach running backs coach. That would be a huge pickup if they were able to get a head coach from the NFL to come coach running backs. But he's, a uh, he was, he was a guy that, uh, had coached Frank Gore coached Marshawn Lynch, uh, Lynch and, uh, coached, uh, Joe Mixon and his wife's actually from Azel. And so they that's one of the reasons why they were trying to get back
0: over here, but, I automatically uh, like her if she's from Azul. Everybody <laughs> I've ever met from Azul is amazing. Salt of the earth people, right? Um, they got the best Walmart i would ever
1: experienced. Oh my gosh! Yeah, go if you went there about right now, you'd, you'd change your mind. Anyhow, uh, so so they were really wanting to get kind of back in the area, and it was one of those uh, it got talks that that got pretty serious pretty quick because basically the the day Daryl Wyatt was out of the mix. Coach Patterson had single, Singleton in the next day. And every indication that, that I received is that the interview re- went really well and, and Singleton was was willing to, to come back and, and coach at the college level. And, and like I said, his wife's from Hazel. They wanted to get back to this area. And I think some of the situation was similar with, with Wyatt to where the Bengals weren't going to let him out of his contract. And I don't think TCU was willing to, to buy that thing out. So – another one that they they had a really good chance of getting that just didn't end up happening but I, I like I like the Applewhite hire because again right after singleton after coach Patterson knew they weren't gonna get singleton he already had Apple white so it was it's not like coach Patterson's down to his third fourth or fifth choice it's it's' You know, he had a group of guys. It's it, even when I did the Meacham story, and he was talking about I have 20 candidates uh, for this position. I mean, he had a, he had a list of guys, and he's going to interview all of them. And he felt good about some of them that he would that he would hire. And Applewhite just fell into that category too. And Applewhite was the one that kind of worked out because you know he obviously didn't. He was at Colorado State. They hired a new coach, so he was out there looking. But he had a, a pretty good. uh History over there for the Rams. He he coached good running backs. The running game was successful. He's a guy that has recruited Texas and Louisiana before. And if you look at TCU, that's where they want to recruit uh, running backs. Like him, kids like him. So I I think he'll do good on the recruiting trail as far as getting guys and, and you know the the guy they have right now Richardson likes him. So it's it's a, a good hire. And and I don't know too much about him. Uh, obviously, haven't followed. Colorado State too closely, but he's he's a coach in his young forties, and and you hope that he'll have a good enough personality, which everyone I've spoken with said that he has a great personality to to go out there and recruit, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, Looper's going to be tough to replace in that regard, but the uh, as far as recruiting, but as far as on the field, the good thing with TCU is they have tremendous running backs coming back. They're inexperienced, but they have an extremely high ceiling. So. Uh, When you got a guy like like uh, uh, Barlow and and Foster and uh, Demercardo, sorry, I can't say his name all of a sudden. And you got a guy like Richardson coming in. That's that's a pretty good group of running backs right there. And uh, I I think they'll be successful as long as they can get some blocking up front.
0: Applewhite's an is a fascinating hire. You know, everybody thinks they should just be able to go out and poach a P five coach from a a parallel program or a program they think they're better than. But I'm, I'm a big fan of these younger guys that are getting shots at, at some of the stronger uh, group of five programs and then just yeah. watching them shoot up. I know, I know you guys Memphis, mentioned I live in Memphis, but this place has been a G5 uh, assistant machine factory for the last couple years. Obviously, with Mike Norvell now the the head coach at uh, Florida State, man, you get somebody that's hungry and his his you got you got to develop. If you're coaching G five, you've got to be able to develop. And so that if you can get that talent that you have with those two four star running backs that were freshmen this year, and bring the developmental game, I'll be interested to see what Applewhite's going to be able to do with them because I. Of all the places where the Frogs, they may be young, but they're strong, running back has is, is got to be a bright future for the Frogs going forward. So I'll be interested to see what Applewhite's going to be able to do with that group. All right, let's flip gears to the hire of all hires. There were a lot of moving pieces on this. Dave Aranda takes the Baylor job. Justin Fuente does not. Therefore, Jerry Kill has to make a decision of whether he's going to stay with Justin Fuente and in a similar position at Virginia Tech, ends up taking the job at TCU. Now, this is one of those, this is one of those positions where everybody asked eighty-seven times the same questions. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> let you take it from the top down.
1: You want to make it? 90? Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm not gonna make it ninety. I'm gonna let it just. I'm gonna let you explain it, and then anything you don't say, I'm. Well, one, I'm just gonna assume you're holding information back from us because you don't want us to know. Um yes. And second, yeah.
1: that's what I. That's what I really like to do. Just so everyone knows, I like to hold information. Jeremy, you guys. it's what you're
0: not saying that bothers me the most. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I need clarification on what you mean by Jerry Kill not calling yes. plays.
0: I, that, that exactly right. That's exactly what I mean. And and how healthy is Matt, uh, ba- Matthew Baldwin? Is he cleared or is he healthy? <laughs> is he injured or is he hurt? Is, oh, is he man. is he in the concussion por- portal? <laughs> I mean, that's about. what <laughs> That's right. You just bring two (laughs) things together there, man. Uh, All right. Hey, this graduate assistant popped
1: in the portal. Is TCU looking (laughs) at him? I know it's only been 30 minutes since he entered the portal, but is TCU looking at him? What are our coaches
0: doing all day if they're just not I know. That's what I want to know. Gosh. If you're not getting a little bit of our inside sarcasm here, you need to join TCU 24-7. Go to hornfrogblitz.com, and you're going to find out all the ways that people are – expressing their curiosity, that's the way I'm going to put it, about this yeah, program curiosity. and our, our, our fair-minded and lovely Jeremy Clark. So, all right, t- top, top down, what's Jerry Kill's position, what's he doing, and um, what you don't say I'll judge you by. Go. <laughs> well, first off,
1: I was so glad this – because I got – man, I, I'm lucky that we have a board because I can kind of give you guys nuggets and everything. With uh, you guys had the nuggets with Meechum, and I gave you guys the nuggets on Applewhite, and I'm really glad the stuff happened with Kill the way it did because people were kind of just mentioning it. I never came out and said purely it's Jerry Kill until about 50 of y'all guessed it, but it, it's one of those one of those things. I'm glad that I I kind of gave you guys a heads up on it because everyone just assumed that Jerry Kill was coming to TCU because everyone thought. Fuente was going to Baylor. And it was funny the morning that stuff started to come out, Virginia Tech guys were were calling me or messaging me and saying, hey, we're hearing Jerry Kill that Gary's uh, – he's recently reached out to Coach Kill. And I'm like, listen, this has been going on for about a month now. It, it has nothing to do with Justin Fuente or anything like that. This has been back and forth. So they actually – Coach Patterson actually reached out to Jerry Keel probably about two days after the, the West Virginia game. And he knew then that he was going to have to make some type of addition to the offense, someone that can be trusted and someone that he can trust. I mean, how? I don't know who else you can trust better than your best man at your wedding, your, your, one of your best friends, and, and a guy that he totally respects uh, from a from a coaching standpoint. And in a character standpoint, so in that regard, that's why he wanted him. And and really, if you ask all the Virginia Tech people, they were talking, just speaking volumes about Jerry Kill. And Justin Fuente did not want to lose him. And Coach Patterson had called Justin well before their bowl game and, and said, "Listen, I, I I want to get permission to to offer Jerry Kill a, a spot. And I want him. I want to bring him on like you did. I want to bring him on as a special assistant to the head coach." and he's going to be the offensive head coach and Kill was kind of back and forth and it really wasn't until probably about uh, probably about a day or two before I reported uh, that he was coming on that he finally gave coach Patterson an answer and it, it's a, a great hire in my opinion because you take away the element of Coach Patterson having to be involved in that offense. If you watched Coach Patterson last year, just go back and watch some of the post-game interviews. He looked worn out. I mean, I've been around the guy for 15 years, and I can't ever recall a season where he just looked so burned out, worn out after every game. And you could tell he was putting his heart into the coaching and trying to win games, but he was also trying to involve himself and an aspect of football that he hasn't really been a part of, and that was the offense. And I think with Jerry coming on, being the assistant head coach, he's 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 not going to call plays. Let's put that out there right away. He's not going to be a play caller. He's not even going to be one of the ten assistants on the field. I don't, I don't even know if he's going to be on the field or if he's going to be in the box. I've asked that question. I haven't been told that answer. I've asked the same question, where's Sonny Cumbie going to be? Where's Doug Meacham going to be? I haven't been given that answer either. All I've been told about that situation is that Jerry Kill will be the one to decide that. So basically, Jerry's title is going to be special assistant to the head coach and offensive head coach. He is the overseer of the offense. He will be in those offensive staff meetings. He will not even come close to defensive staff meetings. He will be in the offensive meetings. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be like the Bobs on office space. You know the guys that come in and consult and ask, okay, what are you doing? What 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 is your what job? would you, what and would you say it is
0: you do around here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it looks that's like you missing a lot of work, kinda, I, yeah. <laughs> say it.
0: I just have to add one little comment. I gotta whip myself Go up at five a.m., drive myself out to Los Colinas. I'm dragging hanging the drywall at the new McDonald's. All right, going on. I could do office space all day. Keep going. Sorry, Gary's going to be the Bob's. I better stop because go on. Yes. On TPS yes. So he's,
1: he's he's basically he's evaluating everything. He's evaluating the way they they practice, the way they call things, the way they they come to work and, and and show up to work, conduct meetings. I mean, he's he's going to be basically overseeing the entire side of the offense, and he's going to be reporting back to Gary. And it comes to the point where, let's say, for instance, the offense is stinking, and it's going to be okay. Why is the offensive? Why is the offense not doing well? Well, coach, it's because our offensive line, the players just aren't good. They're not getting it done, or the receivers are dropping passes. The coaches are calling the right plays. Receivers are dropping the ball, or Coach Cumbie's not calling the right play. He should have called this play in this situation or you know just a magnitude of things that he can report back to coach P. Now Kill can have he 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 technically won't have the authority to make a change on offense but he has the authority to tell coach Patterson I think we should make this change and the coach Patterson will basically agree with him and then they'll make a change if, if that has to if it comes to that. So uh I hope that answers as many questions as you guys have. I don't know what he's going to be paid. I don't even know if the guy's going to have his own office, which I'm sure he is. But, I mean, it's – it's like I said, it, it's not one of those uh, positions that are considered uh, one of the ten assistant positions. He's not going to be able to go out and recruit. He's not going to – if kids come to campus, he can talk to them when they're on campus. But he will physically not be able to go out on the road and recruit. He can't go – Make in-home visits. It's it's part of the uh, the position that he has doesn't allow him to do that unless one of those ten coaches that currently go out on the road comes down sick or something else, and then he can step in and, and go out and do that. That's kind of like what Damani Cross did a couple years ago, or even I think it might have been last year when they got Mikel Barkley. Um, but that's that's kind of the the gist of all of it. Hopefully, you guys understand it. I explained it well enough for you, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's – like I said, he's an overseer of the offense, and he's he's the guy that's got to get it done, got to get it changed.
0: So, it sounds like um, he's going to be one of the ten coaches on the field. Is that right? I
1: think so. I, I think he might be the one that has a headset on okay. and is kind of standing next to Coach Patterson the whole time, mm-hmm. and, and he's the one – that will get the uh, the brunt of the uh, the yelling this season. I think that's what it is, and 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 actually, I think they're going to an I formation. They're going to run same style of offense they did in the Big Ten. I, I think it's all going to be his play calling, um, his style of offense. And so, I mean, we'll see if it changes at
0: all. <laughs> you know, let, let's step back from this all humorous side.
1: You want to go down that? Okay, all right. Let's
0: hey. Rewind. Rewind that the the last
1: minute that I just said was all a joke. Was all garbage. Please take it as a joke. That's right. Let me. That's 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 the sad thing nowadays because now you got to say that because people will run off and say, well, they said this and that and this and that. All right. I already got called out by someone on Killer Frogs for for not talking about how bad an offensive lineman looked in 2014, and I was given praise to Jared Anderson. I got called out for that on Killer Frogs.
0: You are part of the council culture, Jeremy. I just want to cancel you. Like I'm all about calling you out. I'm going to dox you. All this yeah. stuff. All
1: right, let's take a step back. Here. And I don't, and, and and I and I just could I just could not say that Alex Delton was a horrible quarterback. I just couldn't say it, and that's why people
0: hate me. That's right. Well, I have a lot of other reasons, but I won't get into them. I, I talked to my therapist. About all right. That. <laughs> What does it mean that we now have an offensive head coach? What, what went into that? What, what does that say about the program? What does that say about the offense? What does that say about Coach Patterson's confidence in the, the half a dozen guys that are paid to coach the offense? I, I guess that's the what, – what brought this about? Not just, oh, I like Jerry Kill, I trust him, but what, what's kind of the, the theoretical issue behind this? What's the underpinning organizationally about why Jerry Kill is now carrying a pretty heavy title that they created out of thin air in order to support the offense?
1: Well, I think you know what it is. I mean, the, it, Coach Patterson knew that he had to make some sort of change, and whether that's just even even back in fourteen, and, and that's what that's what infuriates some fans because Gary does things differently than what other coaches do. Even in twenty fourteen, when he brought on Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham, what do he do with the coaches he replaced him with? He put them somewhere else on the staff. And Gary has a tremendous loyalty to his coaches. And some people may fault that, and some people may like it. For me, I think it it looks great when you're trying to make TCU a destination for some of these top assistant coaches because it makes them look at the loyalty coach Patterson has if they're doing a good job. With with a guy like Sonny, I could see all the frustration from the fans. Why didn't he just fire him? Do this and that. It's like I said before. You know, Sonny's Sonny's got a great personality. The kids like him. Uh, the recruits love him. And from everyone I've spoken with, he's, he has a great work ethic, and he is he is good basically every day of the week. And he just needs to improve on that that one day. And there's always been something about Coach Patterson, whether he wants to prove people wrong or he just sees the, I don't know how to explain it very well, but he just, he just sees the potential in, in everyone. And like I said, it, it pisses off some of the fan base, especially the younger fan base that, that don't recall the, the bad years before Patterson got there. And, and all they know is really pretty consistent winning program, but the fact that he does that—I mean, it, it looks—it looks better from the outside because all five of his offensive coaches had opportunities to go somewhere else, all five of them. And you obviously had Looper leave and, and Thompson leave, but it's—it was—it was welcoming for for those coaches that like Meacham. He he wanted to come back because he knows the kind of head coach Coach Patterson is, and you have a guy like Applewhite that that came here. And knows what kind of program he's getting into, and, and Jerry Kill, but Coach knew that there had to be some type of change to where the offense can improve with giving his guys at least one more chance to to prove him wrong or right. And what I mean by that is he he could have gone in he could have he could have told I think Sonny's got one more year of his contract. We're going to let it, let you go, and TCU's going to have to pay your buyout. And he, he didn't do that. It, it had nothing to do with that. I mean, like I said, Sonny had an opportunity to go to another Big 12 program, and he, he declined it and, and decided to come back to TCU. And he did that knowing that Coach Patterson's bringing in a guy that's basically going to be his new boss and, and be the guy that reports directly back to Coach Patterson. Coach Patterson, like I said earlier, he he was just so worn out, so beaten down just by looking at him after some of these games because he worked so hard during the week because he knew that his, his offense wasn't being very productive and his defense was going to have to work that much harder. And so when you when you take away some of that stress that's involved, now he's still going to have the stress of winning football games, but now he's he's given that role to a guy that is an offensive guy. Jerry kill. He's, he's been in college football for a long time. They work together at Pittsburgh state and with, with coach Patterson, it's all about trust. Whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether you're a knucklehead media member like me, it's all about trust. Once he trusts you, you're in that circle. And that's something that he has with Jerry kill. I mean, he, like I said, he was his best man when he married Kelsey. He's been his best friend almost his, his whole coaching career. And so now you're giving him – it wasn't this, oh, let me give my best my best buddy a job and, and let him have a cush job and give him six figures. Jerry Kill was very, very happy at Virginia Tech. It wasn't a slam dunk to get – it wasn't like, hey, Jerry, I need you down here at TCU. Okay, Gary, I'll be down there in just a few days. It was, it was a pretty tough negotiating process for him to, to convince him to, to get him to come down and take on that role because he knew what he was getting into and what responsibilities Coach Patterson was going to be giving him. So it, it's, it's kind of a step up for, for Jerry Kill as well because he's going to have a lot on his shoulders and he knows people are going to be watching him and whether or not he's a player caller or not, he's still got to hold those offensive coaches accountable. And if he doesn't, that people are going to start pointing fingers at him instead of so much coach Patterson. So it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. I I I've never have seen it like that before. And um, all my years covering football, I, I've, I've never seen something like that. Even, even when you bring on a guy like Sonny Dykes a couple of years ago, he, he wasn't anything close to what Jerry kill is going to be doing on, on, on the staff uh, from a, from a, uh, offensive head coach standpoint. So it'll be interesting. I uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. I hope it works out good because you want to see the fans get happy again. I I, I get worn out from seeing the offseason post because everyone's doom and gloom. Everything's going to be bad as long as Sonny Cumbie's around. I, I would love nothing more than for the TCU coaches to have a, a great year and then have an opportunity to ride off into the sunset and, and, and get a job. Uh, like Sonny wants to be a head coach someday, and I'm sure Doug Meacham wants to have that possibility again. And, and if they get lightning in a bottle like they did in 2014 and 2015 and, and they have those opportunities, then that's that's great for them. It, it would suck for TCU fans, but you know what? If you if you win 10 or 11 ball games out of it, then it's all worth it.
0: Yes, it is. It's all worth it. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears here. We've got recruiting heating up now. So we had a big junior day this last weekend. We only got about seven, eight minutes here left in this show. Give us a little bit of a recap of some, a couple of guys that were on campus, as well as some guys that might be on campus this weekend for official visits. I'd love to hear about that. And I know our listeners would as well.
1: Probably like like you said earlier, the big kid on campus was was JoJo from Alito and he's one of the top receivers in the country. He's an electric playmaker, and and TCU is is he re- released his top five, and it's funny because it's Alabama and LSU, and I can't even remember the other the other two schools besides TCU, but it's it's funny because all those other programs were were ha- had pretty good seasons this year, and then TCU was five and seven, but yet there they are. And everyone was up in arms that Texas wasn't in it. But that's the funny thing about Jojo is like uh, he, he doesn't, he, he really doesn't buy into the hype process of the recruiting aspect. I mean, he, he just goes about his business and it doesn't shock me at all that TC's in his top five because He's always seemed to like TCU even, even when he was a, a, a freshman and they started to really get on him after his freshman season because they were one of the first teams to show him any kind of interest. And I, I, I know he likes Comby. I know he likes Meacham. I know he likes the fact that TCU's close to home. So, man, if they could get him, that that would be a really, really good addition because they, they're they going to need some inside guys before long. Tay Barber's already getting up to being a junior. Darius Davis, same way. So they they need to find replacements at inside receiver, and, and JoJo could be one of those guys that could come in really early and and, and play as a true freshman. Uh, another guy, uh, J-, J Mike uh, Stur- uh, Sturvedant from Flyer Mount Marcus is kind of one of their uh, taller outside receiver targets. He played his first year. Uh, I think it w- this was his first year in Texas. He moved from Kansas. Uh, he played played in Kansas uh, freshman and, and sophomore years, and he put up huge numbers this past season at Marcus. And when you have a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer throwing to you, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put up big numbers. But he's a guy that Malcolm Kelly really likes, and and they offered back in December when all of us were getting ready for Christmas and everything else. See, that's what happens when you when you have holidays. They they sneak these offers on you, and you don't you don't really see them because you're visiting with the family and having fellowship and they they offer a kid right next to christmas and sometimes you miss it but they offered him back around christmas and it every every indication i've got that that he had a a really good visit over there he's going to have a ton of offers so tc's going to have a it's going to be a pretty tough challenge for them but trent battle if anyone's been asking about quarterbacks for this class they have uh alexander honig the kid from germany he's he's still committed but they're going to have to take two this class. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've got to get that depth chart loaded with scholarship guys. Right now, they only have uh, Max, they have Matthew uh, Baldwin, and then I think Matthew Downing probably end up on scholarship. But uh, again, he was a walk-on coming to TCU, so it, it they've they've got to they've got to go out and get guys that are, I guess, more productive in high school and in. I guess the recruiting interest is a little bit higher. Guys that you know that you had to go out and compete against other big schools for to, to land them. And Trent Battles, that kid, he's got A&M offer. He's got a lot of SEC offers. He's a good dual-threat quarterback. Watch his film, he'll remind you of someone else that they had a few years ago. I don't want to say his name because he's kind of making me mad here lately with the way he's acting off the field. But uh, Andy Dalton? Yes. And, dang it, Jeff, why'd you say it, man? Now everyone's going to be watching Andy Dalton's film. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's one of the that's one of the deals where uh he he's he came down and i think sonny's identified him and and obviously uh nussmeyer over at marcus is probably the the top two quarterback prospects he has i mean baron morton he's committed to texas tech I, if he decommitted from texas tech sonny would be in eastland the, the the very next hour as long as it wasn't a dead period i mean that's that's one kid that that sonny cumby really liked um, as far as uh, other guys, Matthew Wyckoff, he, he's not ranked very high right now, which is kind of surprising because he's been getting a ton of interest here lately. He went to Texas Junior Day, was obviously at TCU, and and he's he's another kid that just doesn't really get into the recruiting process, doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, doesn't really tip his hand to – what he likes, he's kind of like Garrett Hayes a little bit. Just if if he does a recruiting interview, you, you're going to have to probably do it in person. And even if you get him in person, he could still decline to talk even even just a little bit of recruiting talk. So it it's uh, it, the lineman. He's probably I would say offensive tackle wise, he's probably one of their top one or two targets they're going after. They love him. I mean, he he visited a game last year. I can't remember what game it was, but I remember when I first saw him in person that I was thinking, my gosh, that kid's a huge kid. And then when I saw that he was just a 2021 kid, I was even more intrigued by him. So that's definitely a guy that they like. Uh, Ishmael Ibrahim is one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Jeremy Mockins is doing a great job recruiting him. Uh, guys that I've talked to that, that know Ish pretty good have, have said that uh, it, it's – it's going to be a, a tight battle for TCU, but obviously he does have a little bit of interest to go over there. And the reason why I was told that he has an interest is because his relationship with, with Jeremy Modkins. So that's, that's something, man. You know, you got these young coaches, Zarnell and, and Jeremy and Paul Gonzalez and, and, and Malcolm Kelly, those guys can, those guys can develop relationships with these kids and these kids love all those guys. And, and, Man, they're they're gonna do really good on the. I can't I can't remember where a year or recently, not just specifically a year, but just a a, a gathering of uh, the coaches they have on staff that I think are gonna be really really good recruiters. Now, are they gonna go out and land five stars after five star? Probably not because they still got the the TCU on the side of the helmet, and sometimes kids don't think TCU is cool enough, but. They're going to go in just like they did this past year. I mean, it still fascinates me that their class finished in the 30s with only 16 signees, and they're coming off a five-and-seven season. So that's that should speak volumes to how, how well the coaches have done on the recruiting trail. Uh, who else am I missing, Jeff? I know I'm missing. Colin Oliver, he came down from Oklahoma, Edmund Santa Fe. Yeah, that was
0: the last one I wanted to get. Yeah. Surprisingly,
1: yeah. he didn't get an offer um they're still trying to figure out what he is if he's going to be a defensive end or if he's going to be a linebacker he's kind of right in between those guys size wise do I think he's going to get an offer yeah eventually I I think he will Um, and it could have been one of those deals too where they just wanted him to come down and sometimes coach Patterson just wants to see these guys in person see how they interact and uh, see you know what kind of person they are what kind of family they are and those kids will leave and they might feel bad that they that they didn't get an offer, but a day or two later they get an offer because they talk about it as a whole in, in the staff meetings and, and they decide to go ahead and, and push forward with an offer. Uh, who else am I missing? I'm missing someone. I haven't talked about seven kids yet, I don't think. I know Shamar Turner didn't make it. He didn't make it in. Albert Regis didn't make it mm-hmm. in. Uh, Try to think of any other kids they try to i mean that that's what's you know for people that don't or haven't followed tcu recruiting real closely you may see junior days where at texas they have 20 to 25 kids a&m has 30 to 40 kids oklahoma state will have sometimes 60 plus kids junior days at tcu are uh they're more exclusive i guess you could say they want it to be As personable as it can be, they want to have as much one-on-one time with the families and the prospects themselves. So they never really have a large group of kids that come in. You're never going to see 20 to 25 kids at a TCU junior day. So when you only see seven or eight names, don't flip out about it. Don't freak out saying, oh, they're they're the only kids that wanted to come to TCU. It's because TCU wants to keep it small. They, They never want to make it so big. And it's, it's good that they have it that way because every kid that I talk to that goes to TCU junior days, they, they feel that relationship coming from the coaches and they sell family so much. And and when, when you don't have a lot of people to have to talk to and you only have seven or eight, not only do you have a chance to talk to the kid that you're recruiting, but you can start talking to other, other kids as well. And so when you interview those kids, they're talking about, well, yeah, I talked to Coach Modkins, but then I talked to Coach Fitch, and then uh, Coach Cumbie came by, and Coach Kelly and Coach Gonzalez, I mean, Coach Patterson. I spent So they get a chance to spend a lot of time with the coaches, and, and that's what makes it good about junior day for them.
0: That sounds like a really solid uh, way to, to zag while everybody else is zigging or zig while everyone else is zagging. I like their approach to junior day. You know, guys, I think uh, I think that's it, man. We've exhausted everything on coaching. We've got some great update on recruiting. I had a bullet point on basketball, but I'm just going <laughs> to say this. It's been a bad week. When they win again, I'll talk about it. How does that sound? When they win again, we will talk about it. So, that we have going to bring this episode of the Frogcast to an end. As always, if you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com and sign up for our amazing website. You'll find all the great inside information you would have known about. All these guys that were on campus, a breakdown of each player, as well as all these coaching additions long before they happened, if you were a member of hornfrogblitz.com. Go do that right now. It'll be the best cup of coffee a month that you can buy. Also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to us. Give us a rating and review on iTunes or uh, Google Play. We would love for you to uh, listen to our show. It pops right into your feed every morning when we get this show posted. And also, we're uh, we're in the prowl, right? We're on the prowl right now for some sponsors. We've got a couple that we're about to lock down. But if you'd like to be a sponsor on The Frogcast, we would love to have you. Send me a direct message on the message board or on Twitter. You can track me down, and uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you about how you can be a sponsor to the millions and millions of listeners to each episode of The Frogcast. So until the next time we get together, for Jeremy Clark and for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to The Frog Cat.